Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. If they tried to do it for you, they would only do it for you. And that's what a lot of church kids end up doing. In front of mom, yes mom. Yes, I read it. I read it all, Mom. It said this. Jesus, Jesus. What's about? It's about Jesus. Yes, Mom. And they'll just give you whatever you need, and then they're going to go out and be, be what they are, lost. And we got to be looking and saying, nah, I want to make sure they know the Lord in a real way. Do my kids know Jesus? Have I presented Jesus? Because some of us have presented Jesus' rules, but we haven't presented Jesus to them. Have you presented the character of Jesus Christ to your kids? Today, you learn from Pastor Bill's message that more than anything, your kids need to see the love of Christ displayed through you. They don't need to check off lists of all the rules and how to play the game of religion. Pastor Bill reiterates that your kids need to see the grace, peace, and love that Jesus models through you. The best and most important way you will ever spread the love of Jesus is through the example you give to your family. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Galatians chapter 4 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. First of all, you're sinning against God. So that's messing up your relationship with God, but you're sinning against God in a very selfish way because of the potential for you to bring people, other lives that have nothing to do with what you're doing right now into this world in a way that's not going to be a blessing. And then you're going to be a parent talking about I love you. And so if you really love the kids you're going to have, Best thing you can do for the kids you're going to have is love God right now and not be having sex with somebody you're not married to. Um, I love sex. Sex is a beautiful thing. And when you bring that thing inside the confines of marriage, you can ask our married people. I tell our married people, do it, do it and do it some more and make all the babies y'all want to make. Babies are a blessing from the Lord there. That's within the confines of marriage. Boom. Have at it. The Lord blesses. You can actually worship afterwards. Um, but uh, but before marriage. Y'all need to stop that. It's wrong, it's sinful, and it's damaging. It's damaging lives. Um, I did youth ministry for 12 years, and I ministered to 12 years of damaged lives and from selfish adults, adults that are just doing whatever. So wherever you may be right now, um, if you're in the midst of it, I hope that you will hear God and halt on that. Amen? Amen. All right, I'm going to come up off of that. So. Uh, I want to point this out as well. At the end of verse six, it says, and because you are um, because your sons, we have the, the spirit yearning inside of us, crying out, Abba, Father. Then verse seven, therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then you're an heir of God through Christ. And so this is what it's saying there. Look, you're no longer a slave. You're no longer someone that's serving or working in the house, you're no longer someone that's under the rule of the restrictions. You're a son. You have full access. And the best thing I was thinking of biblical illustrations, and I want you guys to think about the story of the prodigal son. I'm not going to go to it, but I want you to consider it with me. The prodigal son story goes like this. There was a, a father. He had a household. He was wealthy. He had servants. He had two sons that we know of. And there was a son that came to his dad and said, Dad, give me the part of the inheritance I get. I want it now. And, you know, I've always read that. And I thought if one of my kids came up to me and said, Dad, uh, can I have what I'm going to get when you die now? Uh, how many of you guys feel like that's disrespectful? That's disrespectful. Um, you wouldn't get it. Uh, you know, I, I'm not done saving. I'm taking your name off the thing now anyway. So so don't kill me either. You know, I mean, that would be really disrespectful. And that's I think that was a point of the story to just show this kid had no regard. But, you know, what the father did. He gave it to him. This father, the picture of our heavenly father, he gave it to him and he left. And he went off 
And he lived a reckless, sinful life. He spent all the money. He partied. He probably did it all. He had a great time. Ran out of money. And when you run out of money, you run out of friends. And he found himself out there in the world broken, you know, with nothing. And he got a job uh, feeding pigs. Now, if you're a Jew, that's just, you just, that's not how you get down. You don't mess with the pigs. But he got a job feeding pigs. I don't know if you guys have ever seen pigs eat. Pigs eat whatever. They eat, we go, they just give pigs slop. They just, they mush up a bunch of, I won't even gross you out with it, but they, they feed the pigs that. And it says he got to the point where he was so hungry and nobody gave him anything that he was about ready to feed himself with the pig's food. And I've been hungry before, but I've never been so hungry I looked at the, the dog food and said, you know what, this, this kibble, this kibble might be what I gotta do, you know? Um, I've never been that hungry in my life, you know, where I would consider any animal food for food, but he was so hungry, he considered this slop. And then it says he came to himself. And you remember, he came up with his little pre-planned speech. He said, I'm going to go back to my father's house. My father has workers and servants that live better than me. I'm going to go back and tell my dad, dad, I'm no longer worthy to be called one of your sons. Just, just hire me. Just make me a servant. And he went back. And you guys know the story. As he was walking down the road, his dad was sitting up on the porch, it sounds like. And when his dad saw him afar off, what did his dad do? He got up and he ran. And, you know, Jewish men don't run. You know, if you think you think brothers are cool and, you know, just man, I walk, don't run. You know, I walk with a swag. Jewish men, just did, you don't run. But it says he got up and he ran out to him and he fell on his neck and he kissed him and he received him. You know what he did? Everything a son gets, he immediately gave him to him. Put the ring, the signet ring. That means you got authority right now to, to make decisions here again. Sandals on his feet, a new robe on him. Told him, kill the fatted calf. We're going to make a celebration. My son that was dead is now alive. Here's the thing. This son, this son came back saying, you know what, I'm just going to come back because I messed up. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to just be a servant. I'm going to just be a slave. You know what the dad said? No, you're not. But you're always a son. You'll always be a son. And maybe you've messed up and you're walking with the Lord and say, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm messed up. I'm not worthy. I'm just, God, I'm just going to serve you. I'm just going to be, I'm just going to give money. And then that'll show you that I love you. I'm just going to do this. God says, no, 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 you can't, you can't become a slave now. You're a son. And you're going to always be a son. And you know why he was a son? Because the dad is good. The son was bad. Amen. amen. That, that's you and me. But the dad is good. The dad is good. And so God says, look, don't don't cheat yourself. The relationship I'm giving you is a son and I'm not changing my mind. I told you guys earlier, son and daughter is interchangeable. It's not just for the males. It's either way. But God said, you're not going to be a servant anymore. You're going to be a son and you're not going to earn my favor. You're not going to come. You're going to be my child. And when God starts a relationship with us, he's on his end. He's not changing. If you become a child of God. Can you unbecome a child of God? No. I don't believe you can lose salvation if you really have it. God, I believe that the Lord chastens those that are his. If you're God's child and you start tripping, you're going to get spanked. The discipline of God can result in death. The Bible teaches that. But you're not going not, you're not, you're not to stop being a child. I got four kids. They'll always be my children. They might rebel against me, disobey me, disrespect me, run away from me. But wherever they end up on the planet Earth, it's my kids. My, da- my DNA is running through there. I have a sister that I never met. I have a, my dad found out last Sunday. Uh, I met her this Wednesday. She came to first service. Um, and it was an awesome scenario what the Lord did. She thought somebody else was her dad because she had been told that. He died. Uh, she was doing a DNA search to find out what part of Africa she was really from because she was going to visit Africa. She wanted to go where she was actually from. And she put her DNA out there. My dad just so happened to be doing the same thing. Want to find out what tribe 
you know, we really from. And uh, and so they both found this thing. And it, it tells you if you got family members or people, it tells you the potentiality of the relationship. And so there'll be now oh, this person's a potential cousin. This person's a potential sibling. Well, she got a mark that said this is your father. And the highest percentage could be is 50 is 49, uh, 49. This is your dad. And she sent a note. And boop, 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 remember all the thing, and then my dad said, "Now they figured out. He put the story together. He said, yep, I was. Oh, yep, I did that. I did that. <laughs> I, said, I did that. <laughs> and uh, and so we met. And you know what? It's been a beautiful thing because for her, I think there's been healing. Um, my dad is my dad. My dad's a stand-up dad. You know, my dad raised me, my sister, and I'm my older brother. You know." Um, he, he never knew that she was. And so he's taken her in, you know, as a family, we've taken her in and, and just reached out. But here's the thing, you know, now for all those years that it was unknown, but he found out last Sunday, you know, they've been together every day. My dad's like, we just got, we pick up from here. This is, this is my child. And so my other children come meet my child. This is your sister. This, and so everybody's like, hey, we just, this is family now. And we moving forward like that. So Here's the thing. I, I, I'm looking at that. I would just I, it's crazy. that It happened this week when I'm studying this and it's just like it's, it's, it's unchangeable. It just is. You can't change it. It's, if someone's your child, your child, your DNA is running through them. If you've been born again by the spirit of God, then God's spirit is in you and he's not taking it back. So you can't ever fall back into another position. You could mess up, but he's still a dad and you're still a son or a daughter. And so. I, I believe why Paul went this vein with them. Paul saying, look, don't 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 cheat the relationship. God is don't don't. Why would you choose to be a slave or a servant when you could be a son? Exactly with the prodigals. I'm going to go be a servant for him. The reason was I messed up and I feel bad and I don't want to. I don't think I deserve to be a son. God said, no, it's not about deserving to be a son. I'm just a really good dad. It's not about you. deserve. You didn't deserve to be my son in the first place. So that's the cool thing for us. Right. If you think about your walk with the Lord, did you ever deserve it? Most of us, when we actually, when we got saved, we were the most undeserving. I think that's why God does it then. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his love in that while you were still sinners, when you were your very worst, Christ died. So that when you get cleaned up a little bit, you look back and say, if he loved me then, I know he loved me now. You know, it's like, I, I have no problem believing that he loves us at our worst. And so that's the beauty of the love of God. You've never been worthy of it. You didn't do anything to earn it to begin with. And so you can't mess it up. What you can do is receive it in faith and respond to it in obedience. Amen. And that's what we're being encouraged to do. And I want to say this, that I believe that our relationship and our walk with God will look vastly different if we're responding to this overwhelming goodness. And if that's why we want to serve, if that's why I'll offer my worship and praise, if that's why I'll give, if everything I'm doing is in response to the cross, God, what you did for me. Then it's done out of worship. I'm not earning anything. I'm not doing this so that you will bless me. I'm doing this because you've already blessed me. You, what you've done for me is greater than anything that's ever going to be done for me again. And so, God, have my life. I will serve you. I will live for you. I will speak for you. I won't be ashamed of you. I'll tell wherever I go. I'll speak your name. I don't care about anything else. The greatest thing, my greatest need I have, you've taken care of it for me. I am going to heaven and I have an ongoing relationship with God. You can have this life. That's what the Lord wants, right? God doesn't want us packing churches out full of people and me preaching at you guys saying, well, if you really love God, you will do this. Show God you love God. And if you do this, God's going to bless you. And if you blah, 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 God's going to do this. That's not how it goes. That's, a, that's bogus. That's not what God wants. Y'all, and I, I say it all the time. I hate that. I hate that theology. It's, it's flawed. When praises go up, 
I will smack the next person I hear say that in Jesus' name. Like, praises are going up in response to the cross. I'm not like, how manipulative would it be? I'm going to praise you, but you bless me. That's it. That's <laughs> but if you hear it enough, it starts sounding true. And then we all know the little cliches, you know. Um, no, we praise God for what he's done. I'm not, it's like buttering God up. You know, God praise you so you'll bless me, you know. Any of y'all kids come buttering you up. You see it a mile away. You know, BJ comes stroking my wife. My hair's so pretty. I'm like, look at this little dude. What are you going to ask for? You, you want to go get an icy? You know, uh, he'd come tell my wife. He'd be like, um, mom, it's some candies in the fridge. Do you want one? <laughs> you, or he'll say, you want to share one? He's like, you just want one for yourself. Get out of my face, man. You know, if you can see that coming a mile away, a holy, all-knowing God is going to see that coming a mile away. We don't, we don't do so that. We do because God has. And if we do it like that, I believe that we'll serve with a different kind of fervor and passion than we would if we were trying to earn something. When it's like, God, you've already done enough. You can have this. You can have it. Um, I went to New Jersey. My, one of my best friends, pastors in Newark. And uh, you know Newark, New Jersey, that is... That is hood with a capital H. And um, there are projects there, what they call Brick City. If you go into the projects and something goes wrong, the cops don't respond unless they get 10 units. They're not coming with one or two units in there. And so if something bad happens, it's, it's going to just be bad for a while. That's how it's just given over to, you know, the powers that be. And so my buddy is ministering in that context. And. There's a guy that lives in the projects that he's been reaching out to. This guy got out of prison. Guy is a murderer. Um, he shot calls in that little area. And um, we're, we're out there hanging out. We had done some stuff the day before, and it was a Saturday night. And this guy called my friend and said, hey, you know, Pastor Ray, you know, um, I'm out here right now. You know, why don't you, uh, why don't you, go, why don't you come by? I'm going to chop it up with you. And he's telling him, oh, I got a buddy out here from L.A., you know, a pastor in L.A., man. Uh, he's all oh, come through. And I'm going to just say that everything in my natural <laughs> saying, this is not a good decision. <laughs> this, is, this is not wise, you know, but, you know, the, the heart is that who else is going to go talk to him? Who else is going to go minister to him? You know, and I am convinced that I belong to the Lord, that nothing that happened to me doesn't pass by my father. Um, I, I'm already going to heaven. So, God, I can't kind of I can't guard my life from you. You've already given me eternal life. So I can't be like, God, I'm not going to do that for you because I could die. So I agreed to go, and I'm not kidding. We got there, and dudes are running up like, who are y'all doing? And this guy is waving them off like, Edit, no, like with me. I'm like, this is going to go bad. This is not good. This is, this is a bad decision. I'm thinking every, every thought, you know, but we get there, and, and this guy is open to this encounter. And, and my buddy opens up, hey, this is my buddy from L.A., man. He, he said, what, uh, what, what hood was you from out there? I'm like, oh, no, no, that's not where we want to start at this. This is, I don't know where this guy is from. I said, look, man, I'm, I'm from Jesus now. We don't want to discuss that. But we had a great encounter. And, and I realized as we were leaving there that night, you know, that morning, because we were there late, that if, if we wouldn't go, um, and I'm telling you that I would have never done that for any other reason. There's no reason in the world that I would have went in there on my own volition outside of, I'm saying, I belong to the Lord, I'm going to heaven when I die. This life is not mine. And here's an opportunity to go talk to somebody that probably nobody else is going to be looking. No, churches ain't going in here to talk to them. And so we went and we had a great uh, time. And 
the guy came and visited. He came that that uh, midweek service. He came out. Um, and so because he haven't been to the building, but he came to so like y'all came to me and I'll come to y'all and brought his little daughter with him. So, um, you know, I, I just believe if we understand grace and understand what God's given, that it won't be that we'll serve less or do less. We'll just do it for the right reasons. We'll do it out of worship and not out of a sense of trying to earn some kind of favor or, or blessing or some trying to earn something from God that he's already given us. Now, um, move on. Look at verse Eight, he said, but then indeed, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not gods. He said, you know, before you guys got saved, you guys served the law. You guys served a lot of things that, that were not gods. Verse nine. But now after you have known God or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? Now, I want you to hear the, the verbiage that he uses. He says, look, after you have known God, I want you to know. More important than knowing God is being known by God. Because in Matthew chapter 7, there's some people that stand before God and they think they know God. But you know what God tells them? I never knew you. You depart, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, you who practice lawlessness. And so uh, he said, look, after you have known God or rather bigger deal that you are known by God. He says, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? And I want you to always consider legalism like that's weak and beggarly. God, that's some weak stuff. You're trying to dress a certain way to approve, get God's approval or do certain things and succumb to people's standards. God says, no, I've done something greater in the lives of my kids. My kids are free to love me and worship me. And, and it's, it's out of a different place. It comes, from out, it comes out of a different place than legalism. And um, if you've ever been in a legalistic setting, a legalistic kind of thing, I, I hope that the Lord will break you free of the legalistic mindset um, and that, that there be worship from your heart. That's for real. And what legalism does, too, is it puts people off. And I, I share this with, you know, with parents. Sometimes parents are practicing legalism. Legal, one form of legalism is 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 trying to get people to live up to a standard that they're, they're not spiritually capable of. So if you're not born again, you don't desire or have the power to follow the word of God. So you need to be born again. Some parents Rather than assessing their kids that, hey, he, Johnny's not saved. And we're telling Johnny, you need to live like this. You can't do that. You need to go to church. You need to read your Bible. You need to like, but he's not born again. On the inside, he doesn't want to do any of that. I'm not saying have no rules. I think you have rules and guidelines. But, but if you need to look at Johnny and say, I need to be ministering the gospel. My son don't know the Lord. I need to be, I, that needs to be my prayer. And that needs to be how I'm reaching out with the gospel. Because otherwise, that's just repulsive, Right. If you're not saved and someone's telling you to stop doing that and start doing this, it's like, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want anything that you're saying. I don't want that. I'm not born again. And so be careful because that's a form of legalism where we're putting on people something that they can't even perform it if they wanted to. If they tried to do it for you, they would only do it for you. And that's what a lot of church kids end up doing. In front of mom. Yes, mom. Yes, I read it. I read it all, mom. It said this. Jesus, Jesus. What's about? It's about Jesus. Yes, my, and they'll just give you whatever you need, and then they're going to go out and be, be what they are, lost. And we got to be looking and saying, no, I, I want to make sure they know the Lord in a real way. Do my kids know Jesus? Have I presented Jesus? Because some of us have presented Jesus' rules, but we haven't presented Jesus to them. They don't see it in you either. And so be careful that we don't do that to our kids, that we want to have a real relationship with the Lord. And then we got to assess each kid. Each kid's different. They look different, sound different, show it different. Where are they at? 
you know, when, and, and you want to pray for them, share with them, love on them, position them, do everything you can do to bring them to a place where they meet Jesus in a real way. And you will know when they have. Because they'll do things out of their own. It'll be their own desire to be in fellowship, their own desire to be in the word, their own desire. When you see them, when they can come and tell me what they're getting from the word, the word is alive to them. That's always a great indicator that, OK, God, you got them. Now I can back off a little bit. You got them. They're, they're in your head. But until God get them, I'm, I'm a daddy. I'm going to be over them. I'm going to oversee them. I'm going to guide them. I'm going to protect them. I'm going to, no, you can't go there. You lost kid going out there. This would be a bad time. Now you're going to be right here where we at, you know, uh, where I can see where you're going. You oversee them. But um, be careful because a lot of parents, you know, sometimes, you know, if your kid's not doing right, it can be embarrassing if you want everybody to believe that you got everything going on right in your household. Everything's just the way it's supposed to be. Uh, whereas, I believe if we're not a legalistic setting as a church and we're a loving setting, then we should be able to know the game. This my child, this child, this one I'm praying for. Would you guys pray with me? And so when you go home, we're not judging you or talking bad about you. It's like, all right, we're praying. That, 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 that could be one of mine. So she said he needs prayer. We're going to be praying for him and loving on him. And, and I, you know, we, I might get him aside and say a couple things. Somebody else might get him over here. But as a as a body, this becomes all of our goal. We want to see we all want to see all of our kids safely in the hands of Jesus. Amen. That's what a healthy church will be. Um, be a lot less faking it. We won't be faking it. Our kids won't be faking it. It'll be real. Uh, something I've tried to do because my kids are PKs is never hold them up to a standard that if I don't hold you to it at home, I'm not going to hold you to it in public so that you don't have to live two lives. You know, if I joke and if some of you guys know me, you know, I joke and play. So I joke and play. Now, sometimes my kids take it too far, but that happens everywhere. It happened at home and then it happened here. And I'm like, that's too far. And but I don't say nothing because I'm like, it's, it's you know, I, I, that's that's kind of what we do. You know, it is what it is. You know, I'm, I'm not going to take that away. I'm not going to make them perform for you guys because, you know, they'll start feeling like I hate going to church. Once we get to church, we can't laugh. We can't talk. We can't play. I'm not going to make church be that for my kids. And so we want to be careful about assuming legalism on ourselves and projecting that off on our kids. Because uh, God's done something way more real than that. The last two things, 10 and 11, Paul said, you observe days, months, seasons and years. I'm afraid for you. At least I have labored for you in vain. So you guys have gone back, he says, to observing certain days and special Sabbaths and new moons. He says, you know, you guys have gone back to everything God freed us from. And there's a verse uh, in Colossians chapter two, verse 17. If you want to write it down in your notes, Paul speaking about these things. He says in verse 16 and 17 of Colossians 2, so let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding festivals or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come. But the substance is Christ because all those rules and regulations, those were a shadow of what was to come. But the substance is Christ. And so you got your seven day of Venice and they're still big. We keep the Sabbath, the actual Saturday Sabbath day. Um, Paul says now as a, as a believer, as a New Testament saint, you can worship on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. All days are the same. We don't have a special day. God says whenever y'all gather, the church is together. You know, I'm glorified. Not a certain day. When people go back to legalism, God says those things were a shadow of what was to come. I'm the substance. And if you're just clinging to the shadow, God says, would you just cling to me? I'm here now. Would you put down Sabbath days and new moons and special eating arrangements? Would you go ahead and receive me? Jesus is here. And so 
We want to be those that are reaching out and receiving and clinging to Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Pastor Bill is going through the book of Galatians. Here, Paul lays out for us the transformation that happens in our lives when we die to sin and begin to live in the Spirit. In chapter 5, he tells us that the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. He contrasts that with the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Quite the transformation, don't you agree? Here at A Transforming Word, we are committed to presenting the Word of God that transforms hearts and minds. And you can join us in that. You can find us online at calvaryinglewood.org. When you head over to calvaryinglewood.org, look for the link to give. Your support makes the ministry possible. Together, we can spread the word of God, which has the power to take lives dominated by the flesh and fill them with the life found in the fruit of the Spirit. If you were challenged or encouraged by today's message and you'd like to hear more, check out our mobile app. Think of all the messages you could listen to anytime and anywhere you bring your phone. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We've come to the end of our time together today. We're so glad you chose to join us in learning from the book of Galatians. Let's all continue the life of transformation next time on A Transforming Word.